the benefit of eating diverse foods are that different types of foods give you different kinds of nutrients. Like not every, there's not like one magic food that has all the micronutrients, meaning vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, that's all good for you. So if you eat the same meals every day, my suggestion would be make sure that you have in that morning smoothie, some kind of like full spectrum greens, powder, multivitamin, multimineral, that's got your bases covered. And then from there, if you're getting that stuff, be consistent. Have this. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Mental Purpose Podcast. So check it out today. I've got a familiar face, well, familiar voice for most of you, coming back on, Dr. Anthony Balducci. Anthony is, or Dr. A, as he's, as he's uh, referred to around here, uh, Dr. A is a plethora of information in all things physical, nutritional, skeletal. I mean, the guy is just, the guy is just so, so smart. So today what we're going to be talking about is you know, the last episode we did, which aired, I think, like uh, end of January, early February, was about taking stock or auditing your energy, right? When the end of the year is coming up and you're, you're setting all these resolutions and you're about to, you know, get into action, setting up and, we're, and understanding where your energy goes and energy flows, that, that was key. And that was our conversation. And, and obviously, a lot more than that. I mean, th- these, these episodes, if you haven't heard the Dr. A episodes, they are packed. I mean, packed. So then the other thing that we're going to talk about on this one, just to kind of like tail that conversation to keep, people, to keep people momentum is momentum and sustainability of healthy habits. Because as you know, maybe you've experienced it too, most people, most people, uh, the majority of people, they set a New Year's resolution, they hit it for the first month, maybe six weeks, and then if you look at the gym stats, just by going off of that, 80% of the people are just kind of toast at the end of uh, maybe like 60 to 90 days. So today what we're going to be talking about is, is two different approaches, an all-in approach, which takes you and really jacks up your brain, your physical, your psychological, your habit to test your mindset. It's only really for the, for the select few. But then we're also going to be talking about the secondary approach, which is staging, right? He calls it the, the, the steps of two. So if you're at a two, you're going to go to a four, then you go to a six. Maybe you drop down to a five, then you rise up to a seven, then you're at a nine, then you drop down to an eight. You know, this is, this is easy because you're teaching your mindset and you're teaching your habits and your skill set and your physical movement and everything, you're teaching it in stages so the brain learns much quicker, much easier that way. So look, this thing is, I mean, I'm telling you, I, I barely talked in this whole, this whole interview. I barely talked. Dr. A is so rich in info that if you have any question about this at all, or if you're struggling or you just want to level yourself up, I mean, his program, Fit Father Project, and, and subsequently Fit Mother Project, is phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal. I'm actually getting on the program this, uh, well, when I recorded this, you know, in January, I'm getting on the program this week, and I'm going to be able to give you real-life testimonial, because I'm, I'm just so excited about like, what he delivers and the value he adds here. So, we're super appreciative of him for coming on. If you want more information about him, it's fitfatherproject.com. You can find him on the website ianlobos.com or mentalpurposepodcast.com. Remember, the, there's a course coming out. I've been working on this thing for a couple months. It's going to be free for listeners of this show. It's going to be freaking amazing. I'm, I'm really proud of it. Shooting a bunch of video content now, about to release it. So watch our website, the ianlobos.com, I-A-N-L-O-B-A-S.com. Uh, I'll announce it on here. I'll put it up on Facebook. You'll be able to hear about it and it'll be in the email. So if we don't have your email, uh, make sure you subscribe uh, on the website so we can get that out to you as quickly as possible. And if you haven't done so yet, please make sure you subscribe to the Mental Purpose Podcast on iTunes. Leave us a five-star review. So as always, really appreciate you. Very grateful for you. This podcast is growing exponentially month over month because of our five promises to elevate, educate, empower, enrich, and evolve everything that we do ourselves, our content, our guests, our flow, just everything, our habits, our skills, our everything, right? So thank you so much for listening. I hope you really enjoy this episode. This is Dr. A. Enjoy. All right, Dr. A, your third time on, buddy. (laughs) Yeah, I'm excited. Every time I look forward to this.
Yeah, I do too, man. Because there's like, I like to have high level conversations and, and obviously I'm, I'm, I'm selective with the guests on here and we have high level conversations and you and I not knowing each other right off the bat, just started rapping about stuff without an agenda. And it just, it turned into a great episode. So all of these are going to be just, they're always valuable. So here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about um, the last episode, which was end of January was Mm -hmm. auditing your energy. And if for the audience listening, if you didn't hear that one, that one is phenomenal. Like I, I went back and listened to it to take more notes and I was there, (laughs) you know, like I, I was the other party in this transaction and Mm -hmm. I went back to take notes because the, 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 the lines you were dropping were awesome. So I'm, I'm promoting that last episode. Go back and listen to that and obviously stay here and listen to this one. So we're talking about auditing, auditing your energy when it comes to the end of the year or right around that new year. Now what we're talking about is keeping momentum throughout mm-hmm. your year, right? Still, mm-hmm. we're, still, you have to audit your energy because you have to, you know, you probably came out of the gate like most people do in the beginning of the year. You know, everything's on a high, COVID stuff's in there. Everybody's kind of feeling a, a very different way than most New, Year, New Year's Eves. And now the scales, we were talking about it earlier, the scales start tipping not in your favor if you're most people. So the diet, the exercise, the whatever you committed to, I don't know. What, what's your, I mean, you, you, have a, you have a medical practice. So like, what, what do you see? Yeah, I like, I like to approach these topics from like a a philosophy standpoint first. Yeah. I think around the new year, when we start things, there are two general buckets of approaches we can take. One is all in 10 out of 10. Like I want to get X, Y, Z area of my life. Let's say it's the fitness. For example, I want to get that on point. So you go from doing basically nothing in December to balls to the wall in January. Get into the gym four or five times a week, getting rid of all those foods that you had over the holidays, getting your bedtime regimented, and putting a ton of energy into a radical transformation. You were at a level two out of 10 in terms of how good your routine was, and you're pushing this thing to an eight or a nine. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes, a lot of people in this bucket, some people break through and succeed. More often than not, we find that people end up not being able to sustain that, and they slip back down. Yeah. The other bucket is the people who say the holidays are rough. I was at a two out of 10, Yeah. but I'm going to commit to getting to a four and they maybe do a couple things and, and like four is not sexy, but it's double of two. Sure. And so there's people who, who do that and find that they have traction and then they maybe have a slightly different trajectory. And I think the way we find ourselves in these buckets has something to do with our personality Some people like all in, some people like marginal increases. We have different personality differences that that determine that. And also how committed we are to making this area, like how emotional is the change? If we're just like, I want to push this area forward and like see forward progress, then a four is great. If it's, this is seriously the most important thing for me in 2021, then oftentimes you might find yourself slipping into the eight out of 10. Now, I think it's important to like look at what our patterns are because people that go to eight or nine out of 10 tend to do it year after year after year. Yeah. And it's important to like look back historically, like what is my predisposition in terms of how I attack things when I have goals? Where am I at? And how has that worked? Because chances are the people that fizzle out from that January, we'll talk about the gym scenario into February, March sure. are because they're trying to make five or six radical changes to their routine all at once in the midst of their life that has already been busy, stressful, whatever. And I think it's pretty clear from the research that we can only really make one or two powerful changes at once. So that is the trap, especially with something like fitness where we know, oh, I want to improve my hydration. I want to sleep better. I want to exercise. I want to get rid of those crappy foods. I just listed four changes there and there's probably more. They're big. No, those are, those are yeah. big, but then it, this, isn't, this isn't a mindset change. This is a physio- physiological, psychological mindset. The, the, those are the changes. You can't just get into action on the exterior. You and I have talked mm-hmm. about that before. 
you actually have to change and remove the habits that you have of not doing it for 20 years. You cannot go from, right. that, from four to 10 or two to 10. You can't. It's the same thing as like professional athletes and why most of them end up with no money is because they go from a four or five figure mindset to a 10 figure bank account without staging the mindset up right. as they go. Or the edge, or sorry, the yeah, education like, skills and mindset and habits from six figure, seven figure, eight figure up to ten. You know, you're so right. I mean, growth is incremental. Like that's been our experience our whole lives. Like you don't start off being two feet tall and you find yourself at six feet. You go yeah. through three, four, five, all the way up. Right. So, I think when it comes to the fitness, if we find ourselves at this crossroad now where we've already slipped, the first thing is to recognize that we tried to make that huge jump. We tried to 4X an area that actually the right plan is to install some one or two focus areas that are going to give us our biggest leverage and then focus on those consistently and nail those one to two areas consistently. So when it comes to most people's fitness, if we want to change the way our body looks and feels, thankfully, exercise is not as important as nutrition. It's the facts. I mean, if we can eat right, we can change the, the body the body's physiology, the weight, the energy levels substantially. So prioritizing something like that and understanding maybe it, your, your schedule is finding it hard for you to make it to the gym three, four times a week, but that doesn't mean you should slip into that all or nothing mentality being like, I can't get to the gym, so I might as well eat like crap. I mean, yeah. we tie these things together artificially and that's a, that's a dangerous trap. Whereas if the, the real thing we looked at this year is how do I install like a nutrition system where I know generally, and I can talk about what my, my philosophy is around that, yeah. where I know generally this is what I'm doing every day for nutrition. I try to nail that like almost every day and workouts come if they do. If that's what the plan is, massive success is around the corner and you will find time where you'll start to layer on when you feel like, yeah, I'm at, I'm at level three now. I'm at level four now. And you know you have it nailed where it's no longer hard. Or it doesn't require an energy investment to prop yourself up. You've hit a new level. So it's like you level up and then you move. Yeah, from this conversation and the, you know, maybe even tens of thousands of people that will listen to this, I, I would like to catch people as they slide from their eight back down to the two or let's say three. I like to catch mm -hmm. them at like the four. So they're still double, yeah. like you said earlier, but they're not hitting two, which has, it's got its own inherent set of, uh, of psychological and mental challenges yeah. to come with that too guilt shame you know depression yeah. anxiety stuff you should have done stuff you didn't do and then you're in you just created a whole new cycle yes. so i feel i've got a bunch of questions about nutrition and, and fat loss and stuff like that like the responsible thing to do for most of us is to not go all in even though like i yeah. i have to go all in if i don't go all in i like it's like there's a little tear in the curtain and it just starts getting pulled on. If I don't go uh -huh. everything I've got, you know, four or five times a week, but then you think about it from October through the end of December, I was in the gym three to four times a week and I put on, uh, I put on a good amount, like through your program too, right? Uh -huh. And I had Nick here, RV fit guy, and Nick was kicking my butt in the gym every day, which by the way, was super helpful to have an accountability partner sitting next to no me. Doubt pushing me just one more rep and slow one more rep and slow um i put on a, a, a considerable amount of muscle which is good but mm -hmm. and i go to california for a month and the gyms are closed and now you know i just i just lost probably like seven pounds six pounds plus right. i ate like crap let's be honest well you see how those things go together yep. right yep. i mean because you didn't exercise you didn't start eating right so like we got to watch the things we artificially combine Right. together. Like you made that some level unconscious or not, there was that choice made. So Another thing that's important that you said is it's really important that the routines that end up being the pivotal things we focus on. So for you, it may be consistent exercise are things that are not contingent on a specific location or set of circumstances. Yeah. Like, so going to the gym, if it requires you having a gym that's open, being in a particular city, having access to your car, like you just created limiting factors that are going to enable you like those all things have to line up for you to get your exercise in, which is actually not true, right? Yeah. I mean, you could have had a body weight workout from our YouTube channel or something else that you could have done, could have brought a pair of kettlebells. So one thing that we have found, and we do this with our program members at Fit Father and Fit Mother, 
is we, we basically tell, teach people how to do exercise with either a pair of resistance bands, a pair of dumbbells or kettlebells, or just their body weight. So like you are your gym in the sense that we've removed some of those con- contingency conditions. So that's important to think about when it comes to fitness because many people create like this idea that there's this perfect routine that, you know, when I'm at home, I'm on the game because I have this gym and I have to shake it this time. But like, how do we make that routine more robust where it's not contingent upon all these things lining up? Yeah, that's a great point. And, and, and I was, it was a really, uh, it was a very strenuous time because I was, you know, I've got two kids and I'm working, you know, just at home doing the podcast stuff. I have a lot of coaching clients. I still have my real estate business here. I'm building some stuff in California. Mm-hmm. I don't love to be around people, even non-COVID time. I don't like to be around a lot of people. I just don't. It just, mm-hmm. it just plainly annoys me, which is my limiting belief. But um, mm-hmm. so I'm going to the gym at, you know, like 930 at night and getting all jacked up for, you know, 45 minutes, an hour. And now I'm coming home and I'm not falling asleep until one. So it was, it was a very, it was actually a vicious cycle that I ran. So by the time yeah. Nick and I got on the road to drive to California, at, like the day before New Year's Eve, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, I was like, okay. I'm going to take a week and just chill because I've been pushing it really hard. And I feel my body, feel my body just, you know, put, getting pushed. And then that, that went like I was talking about in the beginning that went from like, you know, like a four degree to like an 80 degree downslope. And I just let it go. And I was doing push-ups and yoga and I was doing the Tibetan rites every day. Mm-hmm. It just wasn't, it wasn't severe weight workout. So I don't feel bad. I don't feel flabby. Uh, no, I do feel flappy. <laughs> I do feel flappy. Uh, I just, it, I don't, I, I, for my, for me, I just couldn't figure out that middle ground. And I mm-hmm. think the contingency plan that you were talking about, I should have in my discipline that I was exhibiting, going to the gym four or five times a week, every week, doing really you know, very consistent activity to get the results. I should have come up with a contingency plan that said, okay, I'm going to be on the road even though I have a gym in the trailer behind me, you know, that's what Nick and I built. Mm-hmm. I'm not working out in 22 degree weather in the middle of Tennessee mountains. You know what I mean? Like that's not mm-hmm. happening. So what can I do in the trailer, in the heat to actually make this thing a reality? So it's not a gym, mm-hmm. but it's not, you know, just bands. Mm-hmm. It, it was just me. It was just me kind of throwing in the towel for a couple of weeks. It's really, yeah. Like, back and that the- happens. Good. Yeah. Yeah. It definitely happens. And I will say too, on like the, just one thing to highlight, like on all of us want to be, everyone wants to be like less flabby, right? We don't like that feeling that we know when we're kind of off. Like, again, that's a nutrition thing, right? I mean, your exercise can be, and I say minimal, like there are people who look absolutely jacked that lift maybe twice a week, full body, but have amazing nutrition. So I'm not saying that's the, the course for everyone, but I'm saying if you're going to invest your energy into something and you want to improve your body composition, it's getting a great nutrition routine. The body, the exercise is very helpful for building muscle, especially if you need to, but maintaining it's nutrition, nutrition, nutrition. Well, let's go into that because there, mm-hmm. there are, I eat really well, gluten-free, vegan most of the time, maybe some chicken and fish every once in a while mm-hmm. and um, no process, really no sugar. I, you know, I had some insomnia cookies when I was in LA cause they're amazing, but they're vegan gluten free. Yeah. And I had some wanderlust, wanderlust ice cream, which is again, phenomenal vegan ice cream. Mm-hmm. But like, I want to, I, you know, I'm 38 years old. I'm in good shape. I'm still a size 30, right. From like high school, I've gotten fatter. I've gotten bigger before, but how do I, how do I get that? You know, that shake off, like, I feel good. I look good in the mirror. I, I look muscular, but I know I could look so much better if I got that top layer of fat off. Mm-hmm. Strange. Well, yeah. I mean, congratulations, one, on, <laughs> on steady being in that, that striking range. Sure. Two, ultimately, um, losing weight is not all about math, but it's a lot about math, meaning we need to ultimately create a calorie deficit over the course of the week so that your body has to tap into its fat reserves and then use those for the energy that you have that net deficit in. So there's a lot of ways to do that without feeling like we're on a consistent diet because there's also a lot of research that shows that when you diet continuously over a long period of time, calorie restriction, 
it's a stress on the body. The body becomes more resistant to losing weight and it's not very fun. So one thing that I think is very helpful for a lot of guys, we use this in our Fit Father program, is cyclical calorie restriction in the form of intermittent fasting. And I'm not saying this is like you skip breakfast every single day and you fast that way. It's viable. A lot of guys do it. It's effective. But I do think that the research is super clear that there are phenomenal health benefits to doing a fast once per week, dinner to dinner. Dinner to dinner, fast once a week. You have dinner on Saturday night, you fast until Sunday, or maybe it's your busy day of the week. The reason this is so effective is on a body composition standpoint, when you're fasting, you're burning still the 2,500 calories you would burn that day, maybe more, maybe less, but like, that's a pretty big deficit. You're tapping into nearly, you know, three quarters of a pound of fat, maybe more like once your glycogen stores are depleted, right? So there's a benefit to that. Um, and there are a lot of longevity benefits that come from fasting. We have these amazing genes um, that control longevity. And, and there's a class of enzymes called sirtuins, S-I-R-T. We just kind of recently discovered these things. We're playing around with them. Certain sirtuins uh, can expand li- extend lifespan by like 30%. And the ways these things are activated are fasting, strength training, and certain compounds like resveratrol, stuff found in grapes and wine, et cetera. And, and, and there's even some stuff with saunas that help these things. But our species evolved in an environment of intermittent calorie restriction. We didn't have constant food access, so good things happen. So my, 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 the short, long answer for you is I would introduce your, your daily eating is great. It's not like we need to play around with right. the, you're eating high-quality foods from what you described, but we've got to create a calorie deficit, and I think there's a way to do that intermittently on a rest day or something like that. Get your body into a deeper fast. There's tremendous metabolic benefits, and you get a calorie deficit. I would play around with that for you this year as like a health habit, like once a week, if you want to get really lean, you can do it twice a week, dinner to dinner fast, you're still eating every day, you'll still have a healthy dinner. um, But you're fasting, basically skipping breakfast and lunch two days a week, probably on days where you're not doing heavy, heavy training, because another good idea too, um, for everyone listening is to prioritize calorie intake around and particularly after training. After you train, you've kind of like emptied out the body's tank of stored carbohydrates, um, et cetera. And your body becomes very nutrient sensitive. In fact, there are these glucose receptors, the sugars we get from carbohydrates and food um, on fat cells and muscle cells. They're called GLUT4 receptors. So basically these are like satellites and the sugar molecule docks onto those things and it uh, enables it to kind of get into the cell. Insulin's involved in all that. What happens after strength training that's amazing is those receptors on the muscle cells come to the surface and the receptors on fat cells go under the surface. So fat cells become resistant to sucking up glucose. Whereas muscle cells overexpress glucose receptors because they're like, yeah, we just burned some stuff. Let's get it in. Science aside, what this means for us is that if we are going to have the insomnia cookies, we are going to have the, the Wayfair ice cream or whatever you had there, it is to do that post-workout. So when I go into like big meals or a cheat meal or it's a holiday or something like that, I'm getting in, I'm doing like a lower carb day leading in to empty out that tank. And I'm doing a strength training workout within a couple hours before having that. Because I know when I do have those things, my body's going to suck that up like a sponge and it's going to more likely go to the right places or not. So like calorie, yeah, go ahead. So a low carb day before the day you're going to yeah. have a cheat day, like the day yeah. before Christmas or the day before. Yes. Okay, got it. And training. Because you got to think of our bodies almost as like we have this bucket of stored energy. So we store energy in our fat cells. Um, which, you know, basically are these, these, uh, storage containers for calories in the form of, of fatty acids. Right. And we have our muscles that also store carbohydrate in the form of glycogen and our, our muscles store glycogen, our liver stores glycogen. When we fast initially, we're kind of burning a combination of some stored glycogen to maintain, you know, brain levels of glucose as well as fatty acids. But as we exercise and go lower carb, those glycogen stores get depleted. And when they get depleted, what does the body want to do? It wants to replete those glycogen stores. Um, it doesn't want to take those, those, those carbohydrates, convert them into fatty acids, put them in fat cells. It wants to replenish glycogen. So if we go into a high carb, higher sugar situation with an empty tank, our body's going to suck that up. And there's actually metabolic benefits to doing that. So if we had a day, for example, that we went in and we ate, you and I just had a ton of ice cream, ton of ice cream, right? But we did it a day after having a ton of ice cream, meaning the stores are full, then we try to jam more calories on that spillover goes into fat cells. Whereas if we come in and we're empty on the tank, that's good. So this is what we kind of help our program members do 
one of the habits we have is, is we're like, Hey, one of the problems people hit with nutrition is they kind of feel like they're restricting all of the foods they love. So we're like building up pressure behind this dam. The willpower is what's holding that water in. And eventually it bursts with that like double pancake syrup butter thing on the weekend. And then the whole weekend turns into like shit. Right. So versus what we like to do is say, Hey, let's get into, let's play pre-plan that free meal every week. It's Friday night, it's Saturday night, something with your friends and family. Let's go a little low carb going into those days. Let's train the day of that meal, have that thing. The damage of there is like very little. And there is is even net benefit to getting a calorie surge. It helps a hormone called leptin too. So that's, that's a strategy I think would be good for you. Intermittent calorie cycling, giving your body the signal of like higher calorie spikes after you've been low and then emptying the tank out. This is what's good because right now we have this big conversation where people are like, oh, ketogenic diets, we need to like eat all low carb, be keto all the time. There's people who even are carnivores. They only eat animal proteins, no vegetable stuff. And then you have plant-based people on this other side. They're eating higher carbohydrate, high fiber plant-based foods. Where I've come to understand in this discussion is the most important thing for us is not to be dependent on one metabolic fuel source, like purely keto or purely a carbohydrate burner. It's to be metabolically flexible. We want to have both signals. When you're intermittent fasting, your body's producing ketones. You're emptying out that metabolic tank. And you also, when you're getting, you know, having sugar, for example, during a time where it might be a free meal or you have a higher carb day, your body's sucking that up. So a lot of these good low carb plans have carbohydrate refeed days. But whether or not we choose to go totally low carb or we eat more plant-based like you and I tend to do, it sounds like, um, it's still a good idea to have that intermittent calorie cycling. Very good. And super easy. Like instead of, instead of the kind of habit where you have to go forward and add stuff into your life, like you got to go and find healthy food or take X, Y, Z. The cool thing about fasting is it's just like, don't eat. It's like so simple. It's like make some tea, get some water and just like strengthen your willpower and commit to just like skipping those two meals. And it's hard at first, but it gets easier. And there are some serious health benefits. If you get into the science of like deep fasting, like three, four days, really emptying out that tank. There's a, uh, there's a researcher from, I think UCLA, uh, Walter Longo, um, who basically shown that the, all your stem cells turn on after a three day, no calorie fast, your immune system replaces itself. It, it may have benefits fighting cancer. It's like, there's powerful stuff to this. And I, I see it as something we can do a little bit every single week. So I was going to ask you, in the, let's say one day fast, dinner to dinner yeah. to dinner. So one, are you, can, you do, can you have anything else besides, you mentioned water and tea, can you have anything else besides that? To, just to sure. get like, non-cal- uh, Non-caloric stuff. Non-caloric stuff. I uh, mean, I, I, I'm, I'm a purist. I'm a purist in this. Like some people, there are, there are like small food fasting, like fasting mimicking programs. That's like, they give you like a little, like you eat some chickpea, dried chickpeas and a couple right. nuts here and there. But like, for me, it's, it's, it's almost easier just to kind of go all in and say, this is the fasting window. I'm only drinking fluids. Um, and it's also good to give your digestive system a rest. Like there's benefit to that too. We got this digestive tube, right? Everything we ingest in the body goes through this digestive tube. It's important to rest that thing once in a while and not just slam it every single day. So yeah. You could have stuff, you could have some black coffee, you could have some green tea, you could have water. Um, and, and I think it's, it's something good. And here's, here's a way to step into this. If that feels like, it's like you're thinking, Dr. A, that sounds like a 10 for me. Like I couldn't <laughs> imagine not eating. Like here's what you start with. We can get the benefits of intermittent fasting every single day by simply eating dinner earlier and stopping eating earlier. So a habit I've kind of got into is recently, or like last year, um, I've started to enjoy having like a breakfast, which was something years past. I would intermittent fast and skip breakfast. So I'm having something, let's say around nine o'clock or so in the morning. Um, I would just stop having my last meal of the day would be like six or seven. Like I have dinner at six and then I brush my teeth and I'm done for the day. Um, That's a powerful signal. It's like you brush your teeth, you can have teas and stuff like that. But now I had that meal at six, my body's digesting. And then throughout the night, if you total up that time, 6 p.m. to 6 a.m. is 12 hours, yeah. three more hours to nine, that's 15 hours. You're kind of getting into an intermittent fasting framework here. So if you like breakfast, that might be a deal. If you don't like breakfast, then skip that sucker, phase shift it back and maybe have your first meal at like 11. Like there's many ways to do that, but I think it's important that we don't always feel like we need to stick to the societal, uh, plan of we need to have these square meals yeah. per day. We listen to our bodies and, and, and good stuff happens there. And as we get older too, we need less food. 
And I think it is even better to do some of this, um, the more of this fasting kind of stuff as we age, the longevity benefits for sure. The immune system gets weaker with age, a process called senescence. A lot of this stuff helps restore the immune system. And like you and I have talked a little bit about um, some of my history as a bodybuilder. In bodybuilding, you're kind of trying to maximize this anabolic response, the building up of tissue. You're throwing in calories. You're doing strength training. You want to build up anabolic. And guys, we hear this is a good thing. We want anabolic building up. Well, that's the yang. And the yin to that is catabolic. And we want to be catabolic in certain tissues. We want to break down denatured proteins and cells that aren't working right. Fasting is that catabolic trigger. and We want both of those things together. So it's like we could be strength training hard during the week, having some regular nutrition like you had and have a catabolic day uh, once in a while. And as long as you're not going out and like trying to like run a marathon on no food, you're not going to chew through muscle at all. What about, so a couple of questions, the, the, the breakfast, breakfast thing. Um, I'm not a big breakfast guy, but like I would eat, I would eat gluten-free pancakes all day long. Like they're mm-hmm. this one brand. I forget the brand name, but they're, they're so good. Is there a specific breakfast? Like if you did the six to nine, like 6 PM, eat dinner, brush your teeth, be done with it, just water and tea. Is there a specific mm-hmm. breakfast that you should be eating? Like high in, in fruit, glucose, like or carbs? Like what are you, what are you thinking? So here's the deal. Many ways you can, you can slot in that breakfast. I think that the, here, here's my general thoughts. I think for, for guys who are busy, want to have high performance, it's typically a better idea not to have a high carb breakfast. Even though you may enjoy those gluten-free pancakes, that's something you save for the weekends. And the reason why is in the, in the morning, we want to have stable blood sugar and we want to have a meal that's very easy for us to digest and something that doesn't require a lot of thinking, right? We have X amount of willpower for the day. We don't want to invite decision fatigue by having to come up with a healthy breakfast. We want to standardize that first meal. We don't want it super high in carbohydrates. And I'm not saying no carbs, but not super high because our energy levels are proportional to the stability of our blood sugar. So if we go and have a super high blood sugar meal, like which is gluten-free pancakes would spike the shit out of your blood sugar, (laughs) even though they're good on digestion, that's going to send your energy on a roller coaster. Your, your metabolic organs, your pancreas is going to have to compensate by releasing a lot of insulin. It's just not setting you up for success that day. And another thing that we don't think enough about is digestive stress. Like it is harder for the body to break down a steak which requires, it's like tough. Like, you know, you chewed on like a skirt steak, you're like chewing forever and it doesn't go away. You know, it's like that versus like, let's say like a, a, a plant-based smoothie with a lot of like great high nutrient foods. It's like almost pre-digested. So the point being is the amount of blood flow that your body needs to send to the stomach digestive organs to break something down is a factor in your energy as well. So this is a long way to get back to the point of what I think a good breakfast would be is something that is ideally like maybe it's a smoothie, maybe it's some eggs and some fruit, like, but it's something that's consistent, ritualized, high in micronutrients, balanced in calories. For most guys, it's probably going to be around 500 calories, you know, which is a good amount to give you energy, what, keep did, you full until lunch. Yeah. What is, what is 500 calories? Like somebody sitting in their car right now, they're probably at the gym just listening to this. Like what's, what's 500? What's yeah. 500 so like that would be like, a, that would be like the biggest smoothie you've ever had. So like, let's say it has like a scoop and a half of protein powder. It's got some berries in it. You have some almond milk. You might have a tablespoon of almond butter or peanut butter or hemp seeds, chia seeds. You threw some spinach in there. Like your fully loaded up smoothie may hit 500 calories. Um, your average plate of food that you would consider like healthy food. So like, let's say someone is eating fish or chicken or something like that. If it was like half the plate was some kind of vegetable, like let's say it's Brussels sprouts, little side of some rice and a chicken breast, close to 500 calories, depending on the fat in that meal. So your average like healthy dinner sized plate of clean food, typically around 500 calories. And when you go to all these like fast food restaurants um, that are trying to give you healthy options, they always have the 500 calorie menu, right? It's like things around there. So generally speaking, it's just like a meal that's not leading you to be too full. Um, and quite frankly, a lot of the meals you have might even be under 500 calories. If you're getting a salad with some protein on it, it's probably only like 350, 400 calories. The point is not to count the calories because ideally we don't need to care about that stuff. It's to eat like clean, non-processed food that keeps us full and helps us gradually guide ourselves to a healthy weight. Right. Um, yeah. So I think 
like there's lots of simple breakfasts. We could definitely get into the specifics of that. But what I would suggest for everyone is like, if you're feeling guilty that you haven't gotten into the gym and you have not yet standardized your breakfast, like let's do that. Like let's standardize that first meal, make it a power smoothie, make it three sunny sup eggs with a, with a cup of blueberries, make it overnight oats or something like that, where you put yeah. some protein powder, oatmeal, little almond milk, chia seeds, hemp seeds, delicious. Like these are things that like maybe new for you taste amazing. No prep involved. I mean, blenders like throw the stuff in and go, yeah. you could be listening to a podcast. You'd be listening to this podcast while you're making your smoothie, getting all jacked up for the day. So, right. um, ideas standardize that first meal. I think lunch should be the same thing. We should make lunch. I, whatever healthy dinner you had, you like made extra and you have leftovers. So yeah. a protein plus some kind of greens, it could be some kind of salad. If you really want to be as uh, like militant, consistent as possible, it could be another shake. I'm a huge believer that your first two meals of the day, and maybe you only have two meals, but like the breakfast and lunch type meals, consistent, ritualized, no thinking, basics. Like maybe you're just doing some meal prep and you know you throw this stuff together for lunch. Dinner is where we need variety because we need to balance this yin and this yang of consistency and variety, right? So dinner, good place for variety. You can do more stuff with your family. You can maybe order something healthy in. Maybe you make something at home. But regimenting those first two meals during your work day is going to help your energy stay amazing. You won't have to think about the healthy food. And if we just standardize two of the three meals per day, let's just say it's that way, that's like 66% of the battle like right there and just don't like, don't eat Big Macs for dinner and you're in like good shape. <laughs> what and about if you do eat a Big Mac only have one regimentation? Like that's, that was one thing I wor- I wrote down here. Can I like to eat the same thing every day? Can mm-hmm. I eat the same thing every day? Is that what you mean by regimented or do you mean by yeah. having it be five? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, well, we'll put it this way. So the benefit of eating diverse foods are that different types of foods give you different kinds of nutrients. Like not every, there's not like one magic food that has all the micronutrients, meaning vitamins, minerals, phytochemicals, that's all good for you. So if you eat the same meals every day, my suggestion would be make sure that you have in that morning smoothie, some kind of like full spectrum greens, powder, multivitamin, multimineral that's got your bases covered. And then from there, if you're getting that stuff, be consistent, have the same stuff every day, check in. Is it working with my digestion? Are my poops good and healthy? This year, everyone, if they want to take your, your health seriously, look at the information that your poop is giving you. Like when you eat something, you're going to know within the next day how it agreed with your system. Ideally, your poop should be like solid, well-formed, not a lot of wiping, feel good. If you're not having that, if you're, if you're constantly jacked up, either constipated or diarrhea, there's a lot of medical conditions that could lead to those things, but a lot of times it's food intolerance too. Yeah. So if you're eating foods that make you feel good to go and you've kind of dialed that in, obviously you've gotten gluten-free for a reason. You feel better without gluten. Um, you know, then good to go on that. I would say that's totally fine. Save your variety for those free meals um, and fast one day a week. That'll be in good shape because I, I, I'm a very regimented guy too. I have the same smoothie. Um, I do have some fruit in the morning as well because I'm insulin sensitive. I train a lot and like I do a mono fruit meal. So the way I do it is I'll wake up my exact routine. Um, I have a, I'm a big believer in like, I've done a lot of juicing, like juicing of fruits and vegetables. And there's a lot of health benefits to that. So I get a fresh juice in the morning carrots, celery, apple, kind of stuff like that. Yeah. I will have a, in a little bit after that. And the nice thing about a, like a nice liquid meal in the morning, whether it's a smoothie or a juice, very easy to digest. It could have a lot of different nutrients. Um, I'll have some, I'll have a serving of one different, one type of fruit, like a mono fruit meal. Great for the fiber. Um, if you're trying to go strictly keto for reasons of weight loss, which there is benefits to that of going very low carb, maybe skip the fruit for now. Yeah. You can reintroduce it later when you're more uh, like metabolically healthier. Or skip the skip the, skip the juice or the fruit. I'm not expecting people to juice. I think the practical solution is probably get that morning smoothie, right? Get that power smoothie in in the morning is probably one of the best things people How can big do. Is that? Yeah, I mean it's loaded, right? I mean 24 pro- ounces. Yeah, yeah, like you're probably getting yeah, I would probably put like 24 ounces of water. Um, okay. you know, yeah, it's a big boy. And I mean you could drink it over over a course of like an hour. Yeah. Um, but it's gonna keep you full. Yeah. And a juice is something that it, or I'm sorry, a smoothie is something that if made right is high, is nutrition dense and low in calories. I mean, if you're adding like a quality protein powder, some greens, some like maybe some organic baby spinach, some blueberries, some hemp cheese, hemp seeds, chia seeds, almond milk, like that thing's loaded with protein, healthy fats, omega-3 fatty acids, vitamins, minerals, like fiber. You got it all. Like what else would you need? And it's almost pre-digested because it's blended up and you didn't have to think about it. So these are the things, and, and it tastes good too. If you do it right, they taste delicious. Like we literally have like 
20,000 plus dudes in our fit father program, like making smoothies with spinach. And these are guys that are like a year ago would have been like, there's no way, man, like there's <laughs> no way I'm making spinach in my smoothie, but they love yeah. it. If it tastes good, you're going to do it. And it's easy. And so that's the morning stuff. You know, we're looking to perform simple morning stuff. You know, the, I'll tell you there, Costco has a, uh, organic berry pack. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I've had, I know that's Super great. Easy, Toss that in. Right. That with, uh, spinach, um, how do you feel about banana? Yeah, I think banana. Well, here's what I would say. Banana, use bananas that are not ripe. Like before they get yellow and mottled, they're amazing. When a oh. banana is like kind of greenish yellow and hard, it's, it's bananas are unique. Kind of, we'll go down yeah. the rabbit hole for a second. But like bananas, very high in sugar when they become ripe. And if you ever had a banana that's overripe, it almost tastes like it's a little alcoholic too. The yeah. banana ferments as it kind of looks like it's dying and turns mm. into sugar alcohols. Well, before it gets there, when it's still a banana that's kind of greenish yellow, it has these amazing fibers called these prebiotic fibers that your gut bacteria love. Got it. So cool. I would say an unripe banana in a smoothie, killer. If you're trying to lose weight and maintain stable blood sugar, a banana that's like very overripe and kind of mottled and very sweet, not your move. Um, now, this is something to say too. In the, like the... What about the, what about the, like, I would say, I don't know, it's an old adage, wives tale, whatever you want to say about ban- bananas that are too ripe and how they're, they like have a, a counteraction in your system. My- well, they ferment, like it's fermenting into like these sugar alcohols Got and it. it can kind of jack up your stomach. You, you don't want to eat an overripe like banana, like don't talk you don't want to do that with other fruits. Not ripe, like a green hard oh. banana. Okay. Well, here's the deal. Like I'm not, if you blend it in a smoothie, you're breaking up some of those fibers a little bit um, and find the place where it's like greenish yellow. Like those, all I can tell you is the prebiotic fibers in a banana that's greenish yellow, good to go. Um, good to go. Now I will share this. Fruit is kind of an interesting topic. Um, there are some fruits that are phenomenal for health and longevity, berries in particular, right? They have so many great compounds, stable on your blood sugar, very low in calories relative to how many you can have. They're great. Buy them organic. Costco has them frozen. That's super cool. Good to go. Oftentimes with fruit, if people feel like they don't digest it well, it is best to do a mono fruit meal, meaning like have one type of fruit per meal. When you start combining fruits, and this is like a really nuanced like thing, but we're going to get into it because you asked. Um, when you start combining fruits, it's no good. And it's weird because we kind of have this culture of like a fruit bowl is like a good idea. But here's the, here are those simple rules with fruit. You can tell from looking at something, there is a dramatic difference between a watermelon and a banana. Yeah. Like a watermelon is like mostly water, right? Yeah. It's just like this little flesh and some sugar in it, whatever. Banana is like this kind of like dense, like almost like feels like starchier, like it's got like meat to it. And naturally you can imagine these things digest very differently in your body. They do. But watermelon goes through your system incredibly quickly, mostly water content. Banana requires different enzymes to really break down some of the uh, some of the carbohydrate links in the banana more so than the watermelon. So it's good to not combine dramatically different types of fruits and cause problems. It's good to have like one type of fruit per meal. And there are different kinds of combinations like citrus pairs well with citrus stuff. Melons pair well with melons. Not surprisingly, they're very similar, but dissimilar fruits don't go well together. So for the purpose of the smoothie, what I would probably personally do is just stick with the berries and maybe throw, a, if you wanted to test around with one ripe banana, but I'd probably just stick with the berries personally in there with the powder right. and also fruit at fruit for dessert. Terrible idea. If you ever do that, cut it out. Um, fruit again is very fast digesting moves through the system. So imagine if you just had a heavy meal, like healthy, but heavy, like let's just say you had some kind of big plant-based bowl with quinoa and like nuts and seeds and all the stores, sorts of stuff that you love. Um, and then afterwards you try to put a very fast digesting food on top of that. It's just going to jack up the stomach because the stomach and the intestines need to create a unique environment to digest a particular type of, of food. Like protein is more acidic than carbohydrates are. And if you're sending mixed messages, it's a problem. And if things are very fast digesting, have fruit first. Good time to have fruit would be in the morning if it helps your digestion. Pre-workout is another good time. And if you're trying to get your body healthier and you've been addicted to carbs and sugar, I would say, honestly, leave, you can leave fruits out for a little bit and get your body more sensitive to, to insulin and blood sugar. So what do you do with somebody that has to stage this thing? Like they've been abusive and neglectful in their choices around food for decades, let's say, maybe let's say a decade. 
So habits need to change, taste, the, the palate needs to change, tastes and, and decisions and all that stuff needs to change. So the, the, you know, I see plenty of people that they'll have a, they'll have a, a dinner and then they'll say, you know what, I'm, I'm just going to, I'll have some fruit. And in their mind, that's a very wise decision, a very serving decision for health and nutrition, but not really. If you think about it, right? This is what you were just saying. And I just want to point that out because I know I talk to a lot of guys that'll say, um, you know, I, I go to um, Chipotle and I get, I get a bowl and it's pretty healthy. And I'll go, cool, what's on it? Well, the cheese, the sour cream. I'm like, well, I mean, it's not that, it's not healthy at all at that yeah. point. Like you, you're literally just throwing junk down your throat. Just maybe it's a little cleaner than McDonald's junk, but it's still it, the way that it goes in and drops in and, and you've got that high carb, high protein, high fat, it all breaks down the three separate yeah. ways. So what do you say to somebody like in Fit Father Project? What do you say to someone who's just getting on the horse, like who says, dude, instead of eating 16 cookies and four scoops of ice cream after dinner, like, can I just have fruit? And is that the way to build the habit? So remember, we were talking in the beginning, two approaches, totally. all in right away, or like stage at two, four, six, eight, ten. That's a two, four, six, eight, ten. How yes, do you, I'm, I mean, a, what, I'm a two, four, six, eight, ten guy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, have to um, be. I, I, just, I just think it's, 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 it's what works for most people over the long haul is building up. So like the fruit thing is like, that's why I, I just think I have that super nuanced, like worrying about if you're having fruit post, post dinner is like such a nuanced thing, like a million times better than having 16 cookies, right? Even if it causes right. some digestive upset for you. Um, the, the answer is, 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 is kind of just looking at how life works. Like every day, like we wake up, we have this canvas of a day that we get to get to make choices in, allocate our energy to fix problems, create things, uh, spread love, move things forward. It's to take is to have a proactive plan, like a template of timing of your food, I think is the first thing, because then you have structure. When you provide structure first, then you have something to hang on different foods. And then like, it's, I'm going to come back to the same message, because it's literally what works, is you make structure for that first and that second meal. And you just know, and ideally you, you know exactly what it is. You don't have to think like when you're starting to get to gain traction, it's better to have a coach and to like be the athlete than to be both the coach and the athlete together. Yeah. I think that's like something that, that, that could, that needs to be said. So it's like, you know, exactly what your shake is and you pre-plan the fact that you're having a salad for lunch every day, a salad that you enjoy, but a salad nonetheless. And then you've kind of like set those things in stone. And now you're starting to get leverage over your schedule and you find that that day you did that day, you made two good decisions around breakfast and lunch. And you're like, man, that was actually pretty good. Yeah. I feel full. And then you hop on the scale. If your goal is to lose weight and you get a positive feedback loop being like, dang, you know, I, I, I'm down a pound and a half from yesterday and I had a huge poop and I feel lighter. Yeah. Like this is good. Let's do it again. So this is kind of like brings up a, a bigger topic that you kind of, we launched this conversation with is how do you maintain momentum? Well, one of the things you do is you, you put in positive feedback loops and negative feedback loops directly into your schedule. So if your goal is weight loss and you literally want to move the scale down X amount of pounds, then it's very good to measure that on a consistent basis to get feedback. So we have our guys weigh a lot. Some of them weigh daily. Because it's like the goal is not to see the weight drop every single day. Bodies fluctuate, water retention. Did you have a good bowel movement, et cetera? But it provides feedback. So for example, you're on the plan and let's say you had a bad day. Let's say you did slip up. Let's say someone brought cookies to work or whatever happened. You missed your workout and you binged out and you find that you've been on this trend of losing like three pounds a week and now you jumped up two and a half pounds that day, that next day because you weighed yourself. It's not like that's all fat because it's certainly not. It's water retention. It's extra stored carbohydrates. It is you haven't pooped. Um, but now you have a feedback loop that helps you course correct and be like, okay, fresh day. Let's get back to the plan and do that. What often happens is if people don't give themselves these guardrails and these signposts of feedback. That's when you can just glide endlessly into the abyss. And then you wake up two months later, three months later, maybe a year later, and you're like, holy shit. I don't know if I can say that, but like you, I'm up 40 pounds. Where did that happen? Well, you could have, you could have had the signposts along the way that we create this feedback structure for ourselves. that keeps us on track. 
And as you do this more, it honestly becomes a little more intuitive. You can even look at yourself in the mirror and be like, man, I look a little bloated today. Must have been the sushi I ate last night. Yeah. Wasn't a bad deal. I planned that, but today I'm going to keep it a little tighter. It's this constant auto-regulation. This is how our bodies run, right? We have this, this whole system that's looking to maintain all these dynamic systems into balance. And it's not like everything's in perfect balance. Things go high, they move low. It's this homeostasis that we hear that word in biology, right? The system is, is constantly self-correcting. Well, we need to do this with our choices, our behaviors, and the more macroscopic view of our bodies. So feedback loops help when you're a newbie to check something like weight. Um, that's very, very good. Um, and maybe even with your life, right? We talked, to, I think we had a previous conversation. We're looking at how do you create these like feedback loops with your schedule? Maybe you do 90 day years, every 90 days you're checking in on key metrics and, and whatever, planning those things. This is the kind of stuff if we do with our bodies, it gives us the structure to, to make better decisions. Cause if things are not working, then you change your approach, but you need to know if they're not working. How much time do you give it? I have so many questions. How much time do you give it real quick? How much time do you give it to show, to see results? Does it matter that, you know, if you got, if you got off your routine for 90 days, you could get mm -hmm. back in and probably see results in what, uh, a week, maybe two weeks because totally. your body has already has that, that conditioning. But for some guy like on fitfatherproject.com, your opening line is like, if you're 40 and, and want to lose weight and build muscle, like, or if you're over 40 and, and stressed and busy and you want to lose weight and build muscle, what about someone that's been abusive all their life? So there's actually two questions here. How long will it take yeah. for someone to start seeing results, right? To see the feedback loop uh -huh. in a positive manner. And two, how do you help people change that, that sabotage mindset to where when they go into the office on Monday and they crushed it last week and Debbie brings in, cookies, cakes, pies, all kinds of stuff that she got crazy with because she loves to bake on the weekend. Like, how do you make that mindset shift? Because there's nothing else that's in play at that point except for real bad habits that they've had, the sugar cravings, right? The dopamine mm -hmm. and, yeah. and, the, and just, just like the willpower that's just down because that sugar is calling your name. How long yeah. does it take to Let's get rid of that? Let's do both those. First yep. question, how long does it take to get results? The good news with this one is the, the heavier you are, the deeper down the hole that you are, the faster you can see dramatic results. Like our guys that are 300 plus pounds, a lot of them can lose seven to 10 pounds in their first week. Yeah. And that's because you have a big body that's burning a lot of calories. You clean that up, you get digestion right you lower the carbohydrates, you get rid of the sugar, the body can respond very fast. I'm not saying that's the rule. Man, losing one and a half pounds a week is amazing. Sure. But when it comes to weight loss, you, can, you should see things moving every single week in a trend. Not every single day, but every single week. If you're not losing weight every single week and your goal is to lose weight, there is something wrong with your sleep, with your nutrition intake, and maybe you can do a little bit more exercise if your sleep is good. Yeah. Um, when it comes to building muscle, it's a little more insidious because like muscle takes time. And, and it's almost better to focus on strength and performance when it comes to muscle building goals. Because if you can focus on getting stronger and performing better in your workouts and your nutrition's good, you will see progress with the body. Like if you have a body that could bench press X and then you add 30 pounds to that, like it positively correlates with seeing muscle gains. So that's something to be said there. Now, when it comes to the cookies instance, it's kind of like it's kind of like any addiction. I mean, it's, it's a deep yeah. thing, right? It's like any addiction. We could, sub, we could substitute marijuana, cocaine, sugar, oh, yeah. pornography, like whatever those things are, it is, there's that initial trigger in the mind that is like this craving feeling. You feel that craving. You see some kind of stimulus, you feel a trigger, you feel this experience of craving. And then where you get stuck in is if you start to identify with that craving and allow it to take you over versus, and this is kind of like a little bit of a, some yoga meditation stuff, we can also, we can distance ourselves from that in that moment. We can observe the experience of feeling craving without feeling like, oh man, I'm craving something. Yeah. Because when we're breaking an addiction to something, we will have that feeling, that craving impulse. So the first thing is to create a little bit of psychological distance to not feel bad about it, to understand that this is an experience, but not one that we have to choose. 
because ultimately we're breaking a craving. It's like, we don't have to succumb to it. And the less we succumb to it, the weaker it gets over time. So I think there's an awareness component. The other thing is if you have a good health routine and you went to the office and you had your morning shake that had the right amount of sweetness and had, and kept your brain chemistry good, those cookies are going to be a lot less good yep. and look a lot less good than if you're into the office because you didn't have a good breakfast routine. You're starving. You had coffee. You stayed up too late last night watching Netflix and now your brain's craving sugar. So like what you did the day before in the morning before gives your body and your brain resilience against that moment. And then the other thing that we, we do with our program, and this is where you and I share so much is the focus on rewiring our neuro associations yeah. to why this stuff is important. Um, cookies are good, but it pales in comparison to the motivation to not have a heart attack and to be around to see your kids get married. Sure. Right. And yeah. so when you are able to bring that frame of reference in, because you've done some of this journaling, this reflection, maybe you have your mission statement printed out there and you feel the craving and you look at this, it frames your decisions in the larger lens of your goals versus the short-term temptations, the long-term direction. These are, this is always the constant tug of war. It's like devil on one shoulder, angel on the other. And it's like, which one do we choose to win? It's the one we allow to win. So there's lots of different variables in this equation. Um, and I'd say the cool thing too, is as you get healthier, your taste buds do change. It can happen within a month. Some guys, it happens even faster. And if you do have a bite of cookie, you'll be like, man, I used to love this. And this kind of tastes like crap. Yeah. Like we have a lot of guys who drink soda, like they drank soda for years. They go back and have it. It's like, I can't believe I drank this stuff. So yeah, that is a positive benefit. It goes up as a different taste. I've experienced that. Not in soda, but with sugar. So I don't know if we got to this. We, we've covered so much. I don't know if we got to this. Um, working out, because I mentioned that I work out late at night. One is to be antisocial and have, it, have a gym clear. And two, it's because I value my time in the morning doing meditation and Tibetan rites and uh, you know, all the other things that I do, journaling and, and learning a new language. And then when my kids get up, like, I just want to lay in bed and hang with them and just chill out. By the time, by, by the time yeah. six or six 30 or seven comes around and they're in bed and my wife's like spent, I hang time with, I hang with her. And then I'm like, okay, well, it's eight 30, nine o'clock. I'm going to roll to the gym. Is there a benefit to late or a detriment to late or earlier? Or does it really, because I know that it just jacks me up and I'm up till like one or two in the morning. So that's the probably, that's probably the, the detriment of sleep. Yeah. Straight up. There's a detriment, yeah. but I will, but I'll explain this in the bigger context. So we are, we are bio circadian beings. Like we have this natural circadian rhythm that's tied to the light cycles of the environment. And there are times when our body is primed to be more active in the morning. And there's times when our systems want to shut down, relax at night when it gets darker. Um, and bringing your body into a highly intense workout late at night, when a lot of your hormonal and biological deep evolutionary systems are saying, let's calm this system down yeah. and you're jacking it up. It raises your core temperature, which is naturally supposed to lower at night, makes it harder for you to sleep. And God forbid you took stimulants or anything before you worked out, you know, you're not going to sleep. Yeah. So it is late night workouts are probably the worst time to exercise. Now, that being said, your body can get used to all sorts of different things. If that is the only time you can get it in, your body can adapt to that. Right. Um, but you're going to have to make the pivots to that and figure out how to cool yourself down and get to bed at a reasonable time. Because in the hierarchy of important stuff when it comes to health, sleep is more important than exercise. Hmm. It is. For longevity, for, for maintaining a healthy body, it is better to have amazing sleep and good nutrition than it is to have crap sleep and to push your body into a more stressed state. So there's the trade-off there. You know, um, I would say the best time for, for generally speaking your schedule, it might not be for like your family's lifestyle, but like is could you find a way to do a quick 40, 30, 30 minute workout before dinner at some time? like at home or something. Yeah, maybe, maybe that's yeah. not possible, but were it, that would be ideal because you get the post-workout, you know, good meal, and then you're going to wind down at night. But yeah, not the best, but okay. there are people that exercise at night their whole lives and do just fine. Yep. But it probably requires, you know, having the right stuff, winding down, maybe you get the nighttime tea afterwards. You might take a cooler shower to get the core temperature down. 
Uh, maybe the nights that you work out very late, uh, you don't do something like as balls to the wall intense as maybe you save those intense sessions for like the weekend when you have time to maybe actually exercise a little more in the afternoon. Yeah. So you can auto-regulate your schedule that way too. So I, yeah, and, and I, I made the mistake of doing a pre-workout stimulant one time before a 9 p.m. workout. And at 3 a.m., oh, yeah. I'm just tapping, you know, I'm like, I got I will not make yeah. that mistake again. And it jacked me, I jacked my system up the next day and my gut was all whacked out. So oh, yeah. I like it because it's quiet and it and I can just zone out and I'm and my energy builds throughout the day. So I have more energy at 8 p.m. at night than I do at 8 a.m. in the morning. And so mm-hmm. it helps me to start to wind that energy down. And yeah, I might be up till like 11. But yeah, I do take a cooler shower. I do have a massage nice. after, like I do a 10-minute water massage that um, you can control the temperature nice. of the water. And go, like, it's underneath the yeah. little thing. And, yeah. and th- there are ways, but I feel so good in the morning, like so good. Then keep it up. I yeah. mean, I'm, I'm like, like what, what is perfect from a biological perspective is almost like moot. It's like, what can you be consistent with and what works with you? And you obviously have the kind of, uh, there's like people who are more morning people and evening people and you have this building kind of predisposition. Yeah. So like set it up that way. I think it's been an hour. Yeah, <laughs> it goes fast. There's a world. Know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think we, I think we talked for like 15 minutes before I started this timer. So let's wrap this. Let's talk real quick about fit father project and all the cool things you guys are doing there. And, um, I, I need to start going on there and do, and like when I'm away, like I'm away in two weeks back in LA for another week or two, I need to, I need to take that, put it in my brain and schedule it. Man, let's get you on a couple of our workouts, right? Yeah. You know, whether it's our YouTube channel or from our programs, man, we have phenomenal workouts like a pair of dumbbells, kettlebells, or even some bodyweight stuff. We have killer sessions. Um, so fit father project, my team and I are on a mission to help busy guys figure out all the stuff that we just talked about here. Yep. It's like, how do you juggle exercise goals of losing weight family, nutrition, and how do I make it simple and sustainable? Like that's what we've, we've created with our fit father program. And this year, well, I guess in the next few years, we want to get a hundred thousand guys through that program. Um, and we're going to do it. We, we, we have ter- tens of thousands of guys all over the world using our program right now. So we're getting the word out that there is a system that you can design for yourself and it's asking and implementing these kinds of questions. So Unlike a lot of programs where it's like, this is the plan, follow this plan, eat at these times, we guide you through a system that helps you figure out what's going to work best for you. So we present in the meal plan, for example, five different meal timing schedule setups. Some are intermittent fasting, some are not, some have breakfast, some are for guys who work late nights, night night shift, third shift, they're cops, they're firefighters, um, EMS people. You get the meal plan set up that works for you. We give you simple recipes and we help you execute it. How do you know what works for you? Is it just trial and error? It's what gives you the least amount of friction in your schedule. Like when it comes to nutrition, it is like, how can we have the least friction uh, possible so that we stay consistent? We're not running into willpower battles. It works out fine. So if you're not hungry in the morning, you're fasting. If you're super busy in the morning, maybe you fast or maybe you get a very quick breakfast. So that's why we're giving you like our shake recipes or these kinds of things, how to meal prep, all the things that remove all these decision points and make nutrition simple. It's not about, is this a ketogenic diet or is this a plant-based diet? We have guys following all those different types of diet plans using our meal plan. It's about the structure that fits your schedule. Yeah. Then we get you on these short metabolism boosting workouts. You can do at home at the gym a couple times a week, two, three times a week, 30 minute sessions can boost your metabolism all week long, get you burning fat, building muscle, like it's a combination of strength training with some cardio and kind of like a circuit fashion, incredibly simple, powerful workouts. And then where you're in a community with tens of thousands of guys supporting you, talking to stuff, I'm in there, trainers are in there. So like that's generally the recipe. We also have come up with a, a really cool supplement line. I spent all last year formulated like eight different products. Um, amazing stuff. So that's what we're up to over there. And we have fit mother project too, which is the women's branch of all that same stuff, helping a ton of ladies. So that's our mission. Like is like, how do we help busy people who want to high perform, have a system they can stick to in a way that it doesn't like run your life. It's additive and it's sustainable. 
So one of the one of the things I want to point out to the audience is uh, Dr. A is not on here to pitch Fit, Fit Father Project. He's on here to share his knowledge. And the reason why I keep bringing him on, well, I'm talking to you, the reason why I keep bringing <laughs> you on is because um, super authentic, super honest. And so for people that are thinking like there's 70 million different types of supplements and programs and this, this workout and that workout, like how the hell do I know? Cut out all the different variables and find somebody you trust like you. And that's uh-huh. authentic and that has integrity and, and, and is very moral in their business and would not compromise um, the integrity of their word and their, and their, and their business and them, just themselves to sell a shit product to make another dollar. Mm-hmm. I'm 100% sure. confident that you do not do that. And so for people that are, for people that are thinking like, well, you know, is Fit Father Project another thing that I should try? And it, and what if it like, just cut all the shit, cut all the variables, just, you have to go with somebody that you can trust. That's not putting junk in the products and offering you just some random workout. That's not going to show you the results that you actually are looking for. This is very intentional. Like I, I, you don't need to talk. I need to, I need access. We're going to be my my wife and I are going to test subjects for you. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe I change my mind. Maybe I'm not doing 930 workouts. Maybe I'm just, maybe I'm doing some at home 30 stuff before dinner. So mm-hmm. I'll, I'll let you change. I'll let you challenge me on that for sure. Cool. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Dr. A pleasure, man. Always, as always. And you're going to be back, you're going to be back again and again and again. And we're just going to, we're going to keep offering just sick amounts of value. I love it. Yeah. I, I love these conversations. Already look forward to the next one. Thanks for having me on. Uh, <laughs> really pleasure. good talk today. My pleasure. Absolutely. And uh, for everybody, fitfatherproject.com. You can find all of Dr. A's stuff on uh, ianlobos.com or mentalpurposepodcast.com. If you're watching this on YouTube, you see my shirt, Mental Purpose Podcast. It's sick. It's actually sparkly. You really can't see it. It's got like flake in the, in the gold paint. <laughs> and it's awesome. So I have like, I have another hundred on order. They're coming. So by the time you hear this episode, they're here. So all you have to do is go to iTunes, subscribe to Mental Purpose Podcast, give us a review, a five-star review, because we're dropping some serious knowledge. If it's not five stars, then just call me and tell me what I can do different. Don't, don't give me a three. <laughs> and, then, um, and then post that you subscribed and you, and you wrote the review and hit me with your address. And I'm, uh, you know, obviously don't put your address on my main Facebook page. DM me or something. And that's it. And we're rocking and rolling and I appreciate everybody listening and for you coming back on for the third time and, and we're just going to keep, keep rolling, Max. This is super valuable. I get great feedback from these. So thank you, Dr. A. Appreciate you, brother. Amen. Thank you very much. All right, guys. Catch you on the next one. Thanks for listening.